Welcome to the Bringing the Human Back to Human Resources podcast, the podcast all about the delicate balance between people and business, and quite literally, reconnecting the two. My name is Tracy Rubin, and I've spent nearly my entire professional career in HR. Join me as I share stories, opinions, and words of advice with you each week. Hi, everyone. This is Tracy Rubin. Welcome back to the Bringing the Human Back to Human Resources podcast. Thank you so much for joining me again for yet another week. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening to this episode. I wanted to give you a quick update before we even go into the topic for this week. You guys know from all of the previous episodes that I've mentioned since COVID, my colleagues and I have been working basically seven days a week, what feels like 24-7, and I'm so excited to share that I now have an HR consultant on my team, and she, it's kind of like, it's like a love story. I interviewed her for like a different role, the role didn't work out, and I kind of proposed this idea to my supervisor that, hey, maybe instead of this role, like, which we're not really, we're not really landing on someone yet, why don't we turn that role into a consultant type role to handle COVID stuff, like different HR projects um, on my team, throughout our HR team, whatever that could look like, like. This person could really just be a huge support to us all. And my boss gave us the thumbs up. And because I had already interviewed this person and really connected with her and she was super persistent very, very, very persistent, like spoke to me consistently on LinkedIn, um, reached out often, even after we said, Hey, you know, unfortunately this isn't the right role for you. When we were thinking of the previous role, like she still kept in touch and she really stood out, stood out in my mind that, you know, she could be someone that um, could really be a good fit for our team, let alone this consultant role. And so now She's working over the weekend and a couple days during the week as her normal schedule for us. And so finally, I have what feels like a normal life back. It is the most incredible feeling. I mean, this weekend, these last few weekends, I really was able to take time for myself and I wasn't competing with work and like spending time with my fiance or doing things on my own. So it was just really nice to kind of have some semblance of a work-life balance again. So I just thought that it would be a nice thing to update you guys and also say to you that persistence is key. I mean, if she wasn't as persistent as she was, if she wasn't consistently reaching out, messaging me on LinkedIn, commenting on things that I posted I don't know that I would have her top of mind for this role, Um, but I started to see the things that she was good at, the way that her mind worked, the way that she evaluated situations based on her outreach, and so it helped me to keep her in just the top of my mind and really see her as a good fit for the organization that I work for. So very exciting update from me. Having this new employee on my team made me think about how we pick and choose mentors, or sometimes how mentors kind of just fall into our laps. It also made me think about all of the publicity around HR and business decisions and just advice and how so much of that exists for free. So I thought we could kind of talk about mentors and 
public advice on this episode. I have had many mentors throughout my career, formally known as mentors, informally known as mentors. Maybe they don't even have the name of mentor at all. Some of my best mentors were actually my peers or colleagues um, as I was growing up, I guess you could say, in my career and knowing who to ask advice from, who to get advice from, feedback, etc. One of my best mentors is a friend of mine and she and I first started working at the same Target store together, basically. And we became good friends over time. And I realized that she was a good mentor because she gave me straight up direct, honest feedback that helped me to develop and grow. And this was really in like my very first role at Target. And as I continued growing at Target, she remained a mentor to me. Um, And one of the things that I really found to be true was that she didn't hold back because she wanted to see me succeed. She actually cared about my success and gave me raw, honest feedback that I benefited from and vice versa. I was able to give her raw, honest feedback as well. And we remain friends to this day. I've also had mentors that I didn't choose and they haven't always been so great. I had a mentor who was um, like a trainer to me when I first started in my HR career and I thought she was absolutely terrible at her job. I'm just going to be really frank. I say this because she was exactly what I try to destigmatize, right? Like all of those things that I talked about even in that first episode of destigmatizing HR, she was like everything that I work hard not to be. And so even though she was a mentor because basically Target was like, oh, she's going, you know, she's going to be your mentor. This is like how we do things when you start in a new role. I also quickly started to realize that she was more of a mentor in being an example of what not to do or what not to be like than an example of how to act or what to be like. So it worked out, I think, because of my mindset and outlook and how I scrutinized her advice. But my takeaway to that is actually that not all mentors are going to be people who want to see us succeed or who give us good feedback. Like she did not want to see me succeed. I can tell you that she hated me. I think it's because I challenged her. I challenged the status quo as I do in every position that I'm in. And she didn't like that I questioned the way that she worked. Um, But someone needed to. I don't think anyone questioned the way that she worked. And so she was in her position for God knows how long doing a bad job. And while that's my opinion, and maybe she was in her role for a long time, maybe it was easier to keep her in that role than to actually manage her. But I did, I challenged her every day. Why, why do you do things this way? Why don't you do things more like this? Why did you make that decision? Why did you make this decision? And I just think she hated me for it. But my point here is that not every mentor that you have, that you find, that you're partnered with is going to be a mentor that you agree with, that you like, or that you actually want to take advice from. Who are your mentors? Are your mentors people who are in positions that you want? Or are they in positions that you've had already? Or are they in totally different positions? So different mentors come into play and provide us support in so many different aspects of our careers. There are mentors for the beginning of our career. There are mentors for 
where we want to grow and develop into. And there are mentors, like I was just mentioning, who show us what we don't want to be like. So my advice to you is when when you are looking at or considering a mentor, really scrutinize what it is that you need. Do you need someone who's going to be raw and honest with you? Or do you need someone who's going to kind of like motivate you and inspire you and remind you of why you're so great? You can find mentors anywhere. Colleges have mentor matches with alumni, for example. So in my college, I went to Binghamton University in upstate New York, and I am a mentor. So I put down like what my expertise is, what I was involved with in college, and current college students can actually request to connect with me. And so it's called Mentor Match. And so I get to be kind of like those beginning stage career mentors that I was talking about. I get to be that for those college students when they they pick to speak with me. And I've done it a few times and it's a really nice thing. So check with your college or programs that you're involved with to see if they have this. A lot of colleges have alumni connection and and partner alums with current students or upcoming graduates or even recent graduates. So definitely check there. You can also connect with people on LinkedIn. I've had a few people that I've connected with on LinkedIn that have asked for advice or feedback, especially since starting the podcast. And so through that platform, I'm able to mentor and I can reach out and find a mentor that way as well. Something to keep in mind is that You won't always have a mentor or you might not always want a mentor who is in your same field. Sometimes it's good to have diversity in thought. So you can, and there's also no limit on the amount of mentors that you have. So you can truly have as many mentors as you have time for. LinkedIn, I I really think is a great platform for finding people that you never would have met otherwise. So when we think about mentorship, I think it's also fair to say that there is a lot of public advice. There are LinkedIn posts, there are LinkedIn live events, there are um, LinkedIn groups, there are Instagram lives and Clubhouse and so many places for public advice just on social media alone, let alone the books and newspaper articles and magazines, blog posts, podcasts, like there are so many places for public advice and to get a different insight or a different outlook on something that you might be trying to figure out or looking for more information on. If there's anything that I know since starting this podcast, it is that the Instagram HR community is incredible. I have gotten into this community fairly recently and it's an incredible community of men and women alike. That community, I think, has helped me to realize that the public advice that is really good is out there. But it's also created a comparison for advice that I've seen floating around the internet that I think is really bad. I just want to caution you on how you get your public advice. So my caution to you is to scrutinize the advice that you take away. Where are you getting your advice from? Are you listening to this podcast? That's great. But Are you listening to anything else? Are you reading anything else? I've said this time and time again that I'm not always going to have the right answer or the only answer, especially not the only answer. And while the things that I do work for me and work for my colleagues and my team and the the employees who work for me, 
it might not always be applicable or fair or reasonable wherever you are. So I really think that we should always scrutinize the advice that we're getting and the people that we're listening to. And I say this because of very specific experience that I recently had. I'm not going to share where I heard this advice, but it was a live moment on social media. And this person, again, I'm not going to share any specifics because I do respect this person. I think that this person gives a lot of great advice, um, you know, overall. But the advice that this person was giving on this live event was really antiquated. And not only antiquated, it was super narrow. Like there was no, hey, make sure you think about what works for you or get a second opinion. It was just like, you should do this. So to give you an example, someone was kind of asking this person or, you know, submitted a question about how to break into HR a topic that I am pretty passionate about and have mentioned on a few episodes already of this podcast. And the person said to this individual who asked the question, make sure you include anything that you're doing on your cover letter. I couldn't help but think, man, are people really using cover letters these days unless it's required? Like, is that really the best advice you could give someone about marketing themselves to break into HR for someone in a more professional field, like not in HR, for example, like maybe in medicine or in law, cover letters make a lot of sense. They are considered statements of intent and those are needed in in partnership with a CV, for example, in, again, the more professional fields. But anyway, this person, you know, really gave very short-sighted, narrow advice. And I recognize in a live event, you're not going to necessarily spend a ton of time on every single question that comes in. However, when you do answer, I think that you should answer with your best snippet of advice possible. There are millions of other things that I would say before saying, put it on your cover letter. The first being, put it on your resume. Because I can tell you, I don't read cover letters. I I don't. If I see a cover letter, I just keep scrolling, to be completely honest. And this person in the question was like, I do some things in my current job that allow me to get some HR exposure and support on projects, etc. In that moment, I think that the best advice would be to keep doing that and find a way to market that on your resume and get it so it's clear that this is your objective to break into HR, find an HR mentor. Like there are so many other things that I would say outside of put it on your cover letter. And so actually what I ended up doing was I reached out to that person because the identity wasn't hidden. And I said, hey, not trying to overstep, but I I just wanted to let you know, like, I think that there's some better advice out there. Here's my advice to you. And we ended up connecting um, outside of the platform that we were engaging on. And we had uh, like a video chat and we were able to talk through some advice that I had for this person and that I suggested basically, you know, not to not to put it on a cover letter unless the cover letter is required and to find more creative, less antiquated ways to put themselves out there. While I certainly don't mean to disrespect anyone for giving advice that I don't agree with, 
I do think for those of us who are in a more public space, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a really notable LinkedIn like personality, because that certainly exists, there are individuals out there who are incredibly connected on LinkedIn, very, very engaging, and they give a lot of advice and they tell a lot of stories and that's incredible. Same on Instagram. On that note though, I do think that when we are in those more public spaces and people are looking to us to give them advice, listening to the advice that we give them, we have to do a really good job of making sure that we are not the end-all be-all. And so that's why I say to all of you, don't stop with me. Also, don't stop listening to me because I do think that I have some good advice for you, but I'm not the only one with good advice. There's a lot of great advice out there. That's why I say scrutinize the advice that you get. Scrutinize the advice that you get from me. Challenge me and ask me questions if you think that my advice is is narrow or short-sighted because it it certainly could be potentially. You know, my experience is not necessarily the experience that you're going to have. And so being able to challenge the status quo, ask questions, get advice from multiple people is the best way to have well-rounded views and well-rounded approaches when it comes to HR especially. I say this a lot and diversity of thought, diversity in thought, and I, I appreciate it so much. And I think this is really what I'm trying to get at, that diversity of thought is one of the richest things that we can get out of life. Being able to have a conversation with someone else who has a difference in opinion or has, you know, a different way of working, that is something that I think we all probably take for granted. And so for you as a listener, consumer of this podcast, probably other podcasts, I hope that you're getting a diversity in thought. My thought is one thing or my advice is one thing but someone else's advice and thoughts are totally different. And that's a wonderful, beautiful thing that we should want to continue to embrace. I mean, we can't always listen or consume things that we just agree with. If you are on one side of the fence, you should probably take in thought from the other side of the fence because it's good to have a difference in perspective. My best work moments, I think, were probably when I worked with people or on a project with people who had completely opposing views or ways of working or perspectives as I did because that's where I would probably would say I grew the most. Final thought on this, make sure that you're scrutinizing the advice that you're getting and that you're also getting advice from more than one place. I received a question on Instagram from someone around interviewing and something that they found to be really frustrating. She wrote, I've been interviewing for jobs and luckily I found one, but something that's really frustrating is that when you make it to the final round after several interviews with different departments and HR and other managers, they kind of just don't tell you that you haven't gotten the job and they just act like you almost never interviewed and it's kind of like they're ghosting you. And I loved this term for this example. And she continued by saying most HR departments, I think, would know when they're closing a job or filling a job and would reach out to the people who have interviewed to say, hey, sorry, better luck next time. I thought it was a really good question. I also like the term ghosting because people get ghosted in interviews and job searches all the time. And before I even get into this question, I want to just remind you that 
being rejected is part of the journey, right? Like we have to be prepared for rejection, even when it's a job that we fit into perfectly, that we meet the requirements and maybe even exceed the requirements. Like rejection is just part of this. But this person brought up a really good point that, you know, she made it to a final round interview and then didn't hear back. The hiring manager should be circling back and saying, hey, thanks for your time. We've decided to move to a different candidate. Sometimes the hiring manager forgets this. And is it a good look? No. Is it personal? Also no. And so while this is not the best way to close out the candidate experience, it does happen. And sometimes it takes a bit of understanding that things could be busy and it's just sometimes the way that things go. However, it sucks, right? Like you're in a final round interview, you spent maybe four to five hours meeting with this group of people from the company you're you're interviewing for and then they don't give you 20 minutes of their time to write an email or send a, a note saying, hey, we've decided to move on to someone else. It sucks. It does happen. Um, and those hiring managers and HR departments should be doing better. And so what I said to this person was basically that, you know, it is unfortunately something that happens, but also a lot of companies, depending on their size, also automate their hiring. They have artificial intelligence or machine learning when it comes to their applicant tracking systems or ATS as they call it. That's the acronym. And so some of these companies, we even use a company that automates those regret to inform you types of emails. And so once you hire someone, the job gets closed and it sends that email. But sometimes it takes a bit of time to actually hire the right person. So you've gone through three to five interviews potentially with someone and you haven't sent them a note. And so those candidates often reach out and that it's in that moment where the hiring manager or the recruiter would then say, hey, so sorry, you know, we've decided to continue looking for another candidate. We'll keep you posted if this works out, but otherwise it looks like we're going to move forward with someone else, whatever the excuse is. I also think that candidates should reach out after each interview. So, you know, just thanking someone for their time is always a a good approach. But also if you haven't heard back after maybe a week since your final round interview, you you can and should go back to the person that you originally spoke with the recruiter and the hiring manager not necessarily the last person you interviewed with because they could be someone totally irrelevant to actually getting the ball rolling with your hiring or you know the rejection email depending on wherever you sit but it's not the final round interviewer that you should reach out to it's actually the first the recruiter or the hiring manager that you should follow up with Again, you want to send a thank you note to every single person you interview with, but the person you follow up with in terms of the status of your interviews should be the recruiter or the first person who you spoke with who reached out to you initially and or the hiring manager. Sometimes they're the same person and you hope that they respond. Sometimes they don't. Is it a great thing when they don't have time to even just say, hey, sorry, we've moved on to someone else? No, but it sometimes does happen. And, and my best advice to you is just to keep it moving. And, you know, ultimately it does impact your candidate experience. And you're going to consider that when you see another job open for this company that you apply for. And I think that that's where hiring managers and HR departments need to consider what kind of candidate experience am I creating 
with these interviews? Am I creating a good candidate experience because I'm communicative and I'm not putting them through a laborious process? Or am I not giving them any information? The process is really long and they can't get in touch with me. Like that's obviously not a good recipe for a great candidate experience. So my final point for this episode today is to let you know that I am going to be on Instagram Live on Thursday, January 28th at 9 p.m. with a good friend of mine, former colleague, and her name is Angela Zorro, and she is the face and name behind Zorro Real Estate. You can find her on Instagram at zorro.realestate. She is a very, very successful entrepreneur, real estate agent in New Jersey. And so she and I are going to go live on Instagram Thursday at 9 p.m. to talk about building relationships, entrepreneurship, business, all of the above. I would love if you joined us there and asked us questions. It's going to be my very first live on Instagram. So I'm really excited to kind of get into this moment. I've I've been very excited about this for a long time. Um, and I think she's a perfect person to do this with um, for the first time because she has gone live, I think, for the last few Thursdays um, in January. And she talks a lot about entrepreneurship and business in her Instagram live. So I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. So make sure you head to my Instagram at HRTracy and you'll see that I'm going to post a lot more information throughout the week leading up to the event on Thursday night. Again, that's Thursday at 9 p.m. And her Instagram, if you want to follow her, is Zorro.realestate. So Zorro is Z-O-R-R-O dot real estate. And so we are going to have a really nice chat, I think. Thank you so much again for joining me for another week of the Bringing the Human Back to Human Resources podcast. Please make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe wherever you are listening to this. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at HRTracy and on Clubhouse. I do have a few invites left for Clubhouse, so if you're looking to get onto Clubhouse, send me a note, send me a DM, and you can email me at podcast at hrtracy.com, or you can go to hrtracy.com to submit an anonymous question or suggestion, and to just check out all of my previous podcasts and podcasts that I'm featured on. Thank you so much. See you next week.